Well, as uh, the kids find their way to where they're going, love to hear that, just the life with kids, and want to thank you. Uh, if you don't know who I am, that's okay. Uh, my name is Ricky Garzone, and we've been here since September, and we are uh, hoping by God's good grace to plant Redeemer Borger uh, in January of 2021, and uh, you heard a lot of that earlier. Uh, but um, I'm thankful to Jeremy and the elders, the leadership of this church, to give me opportunities to preach and to share with you um, just what, what God's Word says. Uh, if you would, go ahead and turn to Proverbs, and uh, we'll, we'll be in Proverbs chapter 11 um, for just a, a, just a short second, and, and then we're going to move on to something else. But uh, just as a reminder, as we've been looking at Proverbs uh, it's these short, pithy statements of wisdom. Uh, wisdom is not some abstract or ethereal idea that's just out in front of us that we're trying to, to grab onto something. But wisdom is a person in, in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, we have wisdom. We, we can know wisdom by knowing Christ. Uh, Jeremy said this earlier. What is wisdom? Wisdom is skilled at living or applying the knowledge that God has in his word for us is, is to live well in God's world and to know that wisdom is woven into the fabric of creation. And uh, just to give you something hopefully to walk away with today is uh, Proverbs are meant to just be swam in. It's, it's a, a deep, deep ocean of, of God's truth. Obviously, all of God's word is, but uh, what I would encourage you to do is there's 31 chapters in Proverbs. And if some of you ask, you know, how can I read God's word? What, what can I do better for my devotional time? Take one proverb each day and read that proverb. So there's 31 chapters and there's 31 days in most months. And you can read one proverb per day. And then you read through the book of Proverbs 12 times a year. Uh, it's something I've been trying to do for the last couple of years. So this morning I got up and I read Proverbs chapter 15 as it goes along with March 15th. Uh, so that's just something uh, free to, to give you to walk away with and say, I'm going to try that for the next uh, few days. And also to trust the spirit to illuminate foolishness in our hearts uh, that only the spirit can do through his word. Uh, we need God's wisdom in that way because I uh, as a as a husband, as a dad, as a pastor, there's many times that I stumble into foolishness, uh, and if I have God's word lighting the, lighting my way, uh, then I don't. So I, I can often see that that stuff coming. So there's a phrase in Proverbs uh, that we hear often. It, it says, "The fear of the Lord." And when I remember reading this when I was younger and thinking, you know, are we supposed to have this terror of God or this shrinking back idea? Uh, and, and rightly so, God could terrify us. He did to the people in the book of Exodus. He terrified them with his holiness. And, and, and that, is, that is who God can be. But what the book of Proverbs here is saying is a reverence or an awe of the fear of the Lord is to rightly view the Lord or is a humble Viewing of him saying that God knows it all, all wisdom, all knowledge is in him, and I know very, very little. Uh, it's a very humbling thing. As you read through the wisdom literature, Job, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, it's all pointing us to a person. Uh, you read the book of Job, and things don't work out so well for Job until the very end. 
Ecclesiastes, if you read that, don't, don't read Ecclesiastes on a rainy day because you get really, really depressed. Uh, but it's pointing us to a hope. It's pointing us to a hope that cannot be found in stuff. And the book of Ecclesiastes is telling us you have a treasure that's greater than all the things you can find on this earth. And that treasure is found in a person and his name is Jesus. So uh, I ask you to go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter 11. Uh, and, and before we read anything there, I want to say you may pride yourself on being a good parent. We're going to be talking about parenting this morning. You may doubt yourself for how your kids quote unquote turned out. You may question God as to why you don't have kids of your own or even how to get your kids to sleep at night, eat their vegetables or stay still for a diaper change. Um, This may be you in this room. And I realize that I'm speaking to a plethora of people in this room in all walks of life, whether God has gifted you with singleness or marriage, if you're widowed or if your children have since flown the coop, we need this wisdom that Proverbs offers us. We are the family of God here at Redeemer. Proverbs eleven fourteen says this, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. May this be true at Redeemer Pampa, that we can help parent each other's kids. And I'm not giving you, uh, you know, any kind of authority to go spank anyone's kids, anything like that. But I'm saying, hey, let's, let's high five kids and, and, and greet them and things like that. We can help be those counselors that the book of Proverbs tells us. So if you would turn back to Proverbs chapter 3, and we're going to read a few verses there. And I want to start this section by saying that I'm not an expert in parenting. I have three kids, and by God's grace, and by God's grace alone, they love me and they love their mom. I've sinned against my children. I've broken promises to my children. I haven't followed through often, and I've even ignored them for time on my phone. I need God's grace just as much as anyone in this room needs God's grace. So let's look at chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. It says this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So before we we talk about what this is saying, I wanted to, to tell you this. The way, especially Proverbs 3, is meant to be read is there's obligations to us as God's covenantal people. And then there's obligations that God puts on himself as the one who gives the covenant. Okay. So the odd verses in this chapter are meant to be an obligation to God's people. Okay. And then he puts an obligation on himself in the even verses. So you look at verse five and it's this call to remember, to trust in the Lord. And why do we trust in the Lord? Because we love him with all of our everythingness. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. In verse 6, in verse 6, it tells us, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. It's this, this view of when I was teaching my kids how to walk, that I would make sure everything was out of the way. What kind of parent would I be if I was teaching them to walk, and I put stuff in front of them to say, hey, you got to figure it out. But I would move things out of the way and say, hey, keep your eyes on me and walk towards me. It's this view of God saying, hey, keep your eyes on me. Even though you might not understand, keep your eyes fixed on me. 
in verse 7, to see God rightly. And when you do fall into evil, to turn away from it quickly, to repent of your sin. And then I added verse 8 in there because it says that it, it will be refreshment to your bones, that God will give you peace. Though you may not understand, God will give you peace. So I wanted to start there to hold this tension out in front of us that we may not understand, especially in seasons of parenting. Uh, I'm, I'm raising a teenager right now, and, and it's literally, there's times that I'm like, I'm, I'm his hero, and there's times where I'm like the worst person on the planet. But I'm okay with that in this season because I, I, I may not understand what's going on in his mind, but I'm trying to become a professional on my own kids. Okay, and God is going to give me peace in the midst of that peace that I might not understand. So if you would turn to Proverbs chapter 22 and just to warn you, we're going to be turning back and forth quite a bit in Proverbs. Look at Proverbs 22. So it's important as we look at the book of Proverbs to approach a genre as unique as to itself. You're not going to sit down and um, Put on a, a, a rock album, you know, for, for some of you younger kids, you don't know what an album is. But you're not going to put on a rock album expecting to hear classical music, okay? You're going to approach each genre as unique as unto itself. We do that in Scripture too, okay? So Proverbs, 20, Proverbs 22, 6 says this. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Okay, so here, here's if, if we read this as if you do these things, then you're going to get good kids. We're treading on dangerous, very, very dangerous ground. Okay, because you, you can have conversations with parents who said, well, I took my kids to church. I taught them the Bible. I taught them how to pray and all these things. And my kids aren't in church. They've walked away from the faith. I have an aunt and uncle who were some of the godliest people that I know. They pray for their kids. They love their kids well. They took them to church, took them to VBS. Anytime the the doors were open at church, they were there. And they have three kids, and there's three different stories with each of them. In fact, one of my cousins has completely wrecked, completely obliterated her life. Doesn't even come home anymore. If you, were ha- if you were to have a conversation with my aunt and my uncle and you were going to tell them, well, well, maybe you just, there was a few things that you didn't do right when they were little. That is a dangerous theology to believe. That is a very, very dangerous theology to believe. Because maybe, maybe you just didn't have enough faith. Maybe that's what you needed. And that's not what the Bible is saying here. Let's look at Proverbs twenty-two, fifteen. It says this. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. It's, and let me, let me tell you this. Your kids are sinners. They were born sinners, okay? As perfect as you might think your kids are, especially for my little girl, she's cute, man. Sometimes she can't do anything wrong. But she sinned against me. Even as an eight-year-old, she sinned against me and her mom. So we have to see these verses rightly. Okay, and, and, and to, to think about the good news of the gospel is that you were dead in your trespasses and sins and God came and made you alive. You didn't do anything to earn God's favor. Christ earned God's favor in your place. 
Romans 5, 8 says, but God showed his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And if you read that, you're not going to see anything that you did. The only thing you had to offer was the sin that needed to be forgiven. The sin that crushed a holy son. The only thing we were deserving of is death. So if we look at Proverbs 22 correctly, it says your kids are sinners and they need discipline and correction. So this is the way I wish this was written. Proverbs 22, 6. Let a child have his way when he is young. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Or he will insist on having his way. So it's saying this. You don't discipline and you don't correct their, your kids when they're young. Then they're going to continue to want their way when they're older. And it's going to be harder to, to pull them back into the fold. Okay? That's the way this verse was meant to be read. And, and here's, I want to say this about discipline. We talked about it in, when we were going through the book of Hebrews. If God disciplines us, it means that he loves us. It means that he loves us. Look at with me, Proverbs 30, or I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 3. Go back. Verses 11 and 12 say this. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. And it echoes this for us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. That God disciplines those that he loves. That he will tell you no from time to time. God is not always going to say yes to you on everything that you want. It's the best thing for him to often say no to you, in fact. Ray Ortland says this, Wisdom is the gospel of Christ reshaping us for royalty. As God places us on his anvil and we trust him enough to stay there until his work is done. Look with me at Proverbs 29. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 15. It says, The rod and reproof give wisdom. But a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. That the rod gives discipline. Look back with me at Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs 13, verse 24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son. But he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. And you're like, Ricky, I get it. You want me to spank my kids? Okay. But what I'm saying is, it goes further than spanking them. It's, it's putting these boundaries around them saying, hey, even though all the other parents are saying yes to them, right now, we need to say no. And you may not understand, but because I love you, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. Plain and simple, because you love your kids, you will correct and discipline them. Look with me at Psalm Chapter 127, Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5. Psalm 127 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows at the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with him. He shall not be put to shame 
when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. And maybe this is all you need to hear this morning is that your kids are a gift to you. Especially if you're growing up in Christ, your kids are a gift to your sanctification. My, care, my, my kids, if anything, they teach me patience. Because sometimes I do. I want to... <laughs> but the Spirit's telling me, hey, be gentle with your kids. Discipline them. Correct them. But be gentle with your kids. The most powerful thing you can say to your kids is no matter what you do, I will never love you any less. You didn't have to do anything the day you were born to earn my love. I just loved you. I just loved you. That's the good news of the gospel. As God says, you didn't have to do anything to get my attention. I loved you in Christ. I loved you when you were at your weakest moment. Turn with me, if you would, to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy 6. See if I can get there. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9 say this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I commanded you to, to you shall be on your heart. Excuse me. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So I want to just take a minute and talk to you about discipling your kids. This was... uh, with the people of Israel, this is what they used for discipleship. This is how they train their kids. And they would always, in, in verse 4, it starts with God. It always starts with God and it always ends with God. They're saying, hey, we need to remember that he is our creator. That we worship one God who expresses himself in Father, Son, and Spirit. And then it moves on in verse Five, and it says, you need to love him with your everythingness. And this meant that they were often talking about God when they would sit down to eat, when they would walk, when whatever they would do, they would talk about God. We see that in verses six through nine, disciple your kids in the things of God. And you may be asking yourself, well, what do I do? And I'll tell you, it, 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 it's awkward at first, especially, and it's still awkward in my house, even as a pastor, We sit down, usually we try on Saturday mornings and we make a breakfast and we sit down around the table and I get the Bible out and I read it for my kids and I talk to them about what does it look like to be justified? What does it look like to be sanctified? What does it look like about these things? Helping them shape their view of God. And then we hold hands and we sing a song and that's awkward for my kids, but I'm okay with that. I want it to be awkward in some ways because it needs to fall out of rhythm of all these things that they have going on throughout the week, that we're going to stop and take a moment to love our family well. And I'm going to take a a moment to lead my family well. So you might be asking, so what do I do? Devney gave me these sheets right here. And, and for kids GCs that meet every other week, they get these sheets and we, and we send them home with them and uh, they have a journal page. You can go through this with them at home. Okay. Uh, Some of these have crosswords and things like that. Uh, This is found in the worship notebooks with your kids that they go through throughout the sermon. Okay. And and you can sit down with them at lunch and talk about, talk about these things. There's, there's word searches, all kinds of things. And here's the one I wanted to point to. 
These, the ones that the littles go to, right, Daphne? They, they, they come home and they, have, they actually have stuff on the side that you can talk with your kids about. So there's, there's absolutely no excuse. You can sit down and talk to them. And for those of you that have students in this room, Jesse, I've been there on Wednesday nights. He does a great job of sharing God's word with them. And you can go home and talk to them about what's happening in God's word. And if, if, if you're just like, you know what? I just don't know what to do. I don't know how to disciple my kids. Talk to your leaders. Talk to Jeremy. Talk to the elders. Talk to Devney. Talk to Jesse. We're willing to help you come around you and say, hey, these are a few things you can do at home. It might not have to look like what other families are doing, but start today and start talking to them about God. Start discipling your kids. Because I'll tell you this, everything is discipleship. They're going to school, they're watching TV, they're scrolling through social media, and they're constantly being discipled. Are they being discipled by you? And I want to say that I understand what even bringing up parenting or parents might conjure up in your mind, but I can't. Some of you rejoiced the day you left home. Some of you live across the street from your parents. And for some of you, your mom is your very best friend. For some of us, it's painful or even lonely to be a parent. But I extend to you today hope in the person of Jesus Christ, who was crushed for our sin. Even as failures as parents time to time. And I'll tell you, I've failed my kids. Jesus was crushed in our place. At the hand of the Father. And he died the death that we deserve to die. And defeated death so that we could live with him forever. Uniting us to himself. Even in your deepest and darkest most possible pain as a parent. God sees you. God knows you. And God loves you. And I want, if anything, I want to remove some pressure from you this morning. That you do not have to be the perfect parent. God the Father is the perfect parent in sending his son in our place. You do not have to be the perfect parent. And here's why I'll say this. Turn to Proverbs 19.1. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 1. And here's three things that the gospel frees us to do. The gospel frees us to be honest with our kids. That we can say, you know what? We messed up. I messed up. That you can repent to your children. Proverbs 19.1 says this. Better is a poor person who walks in his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. Saying that you don't, you, you don't have to be able to give your kids the whole world. But you can say, you know what? I can't give you the whole world. And it's probably in your best interest that I don't. And you know what? I shouldn't have said this earlier. That was, that was really dumb of me. Will you forgive me? Sometimes that's all my kids need to hear is for dad to say, will you forgive me? I, I really messed that up. That's the first thing. The second thing, the gospel frees us to forgive our parents. You know, I don't know for many of you, your, your home life when you were growing up might have been very abusive. You might have experienced a lot of neglect. If that's so, I'm, I'm sorry. I really am. But God sees you in that. And he loves you. So look with me, if you will, back at Proverbs 17, verse 9. 
17.9 says, Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. And this is, this is not what this is saying. It's saying don't, don't wink at your parents' sin. They may have sinned against you and continue to sin against you. And that's not what God did for us. He did not wink at our sin. In fact, he crushed his own son on the cross. That's how seriously he takes our sin. So sin needs to be taken seriously. But here's what it's saying is because God is holy, he reconciles people. And if we serve a reconciling God, then he wants us to reconcile with each other. That's a picture of the gospel. And it's maybe an opportunity to sit down with mom and dad and say, hey, you sinned against me here and I hated that, but I sinned against God. I sinned against God and he forgave me and his son. That's the second thing. The gospel frees us to forgive our parents. The third thing is this. The gospel frees us to pursue our kids. Look with me at Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5 verse 21. It says this. For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord. And he ponders all his paths. And here's what this is saying, is that because God cares for us as his people, that he's going to make sure that we have level ground in front of us. That he's always going to be around us saying, hey, don't go that way. Don't go that way. Convicting us by his spirit. So because the gospel, because God does that for us, the gospel frees us to pursue our kids. And like I said, for many of you who have grown children who have left the home, you might have not heard from them in a long time. But this is an opportunity today to pick up the phone and say, hey, can we talk for just a little bit? What's going on in your life? Begin the pursuit just as Christ pursued us. We read that earlier in Romans 5, 8, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is the pursuit. And I want to end our time with this. To the parent who does all they can to make sure sure their kids are happy, rest in the finished work of Christ. To the parent who weeps in the empty bedroom, rest in the one who will one day wipe away all of your tears. To the parent who is tired and weary from sleepless nights, endless loads of laundry, and what might seem like forever, rest in the rest That is one day coming to the parent who is reeling from the news that one of your children just can't do it anymore. Rest in the one who is coming to make all things new to the parent who teaches my kids gospel truths, high fives, my kids loves my kids like they are your very own, very own rest in the one who will one day say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. To the parent who hasn't heard the I love you that your heart longs to hear in some time, rest in the love of a triune God who loved you first. To the parent who has contended for their kids from the very beginning, in countless meetings with teachers, administration, and doctors, rest in the one who says, let the little children come to me. To the parent who is doing this alone, Rest in the one who says, you are my beloved and my beloved is mine. To the parent who just can't seem 
to let it go. Rest in the cross where all your sins are forgiven. I want to encourage you this morning. Whether you're a parent or you're waiting to be a parent or you're not a parent, whatever it is, I want to encourage you with this today. That God sees you. God loves you. He's got a plan that might not look like the plan that you have for your life. But he's got a way better plan. And though we might not understand what's taking place, we know this, that God is going to continue to pursue us and push us and tell us to fix our eyes on him. That is our job as parents to our children to say, no, don't fix your eyes on me. Fix your eyes on the one who is coming to make all things right. Especially during this time when things just seem so chaotic, we can say, hey, he is the peace that we need. He is the peace that we need. So I know for some of you, this this could conjure up some, some very painful things as either a parent or growing up in a very abusive home. And we don't take that lightly here at Redeemer Pampa. We want him to redeem all of those situations. So we're going to take a moment and we're going to respond in worship. What a good father he is to send his son in my place and crush him on the cross. And he dies the death that I deserve to die, defeats death and ascends to the father where he pleads for me day and night. What a good God we serve. What a good God we serve. So we're going to respond in worship. I'm going to take a moment and pray. There's going to be people in the back of the room who want to pray for you and want to encourage you this morning. Let's pray. God, we are hopeful. And we are only hopeful because you give us hope. God, would you help us? Help us to be wise in these moments as... uh, We raise children as we're around other people's children. Whatever season of life we find ourselves in, would you give us wisdom? And would that wisdom be your nearness to us? God, I I say I I understand, but for many people, I don't. I don't know their situation. But I want to be sensitive to the fact that this could conjure up a ton of pain. God, would you bring peace, bring healing, bring reconciliation where it needs to happen. God, we love you and we thank you for who you are and for what you've done in our place. Jesus, we worship you because you came and you moved into our neighborhood and you lived among enemies. You died in our place, defeating death so that we could have access to God. God, thank you. Press on us. Press on us, God, we ask. Let us repent quickly of sin and look to you. God, again, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.